1: It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAlees, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese.
0: Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants, Incorporated, where Securities and Investment Advisory Services are offered to Next Financial Group, Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Every Christmas is wonderful, even with a virus and all the strange things we have to do to accommodate safety. For those who could visit face-to-face, well, the gatherings were smaller, much smaller. The quarantining beforehand and the increased airflow, everybody was getting kind of chilly. And uh, the social distancing. But if you couldn't travel and uh, or visit because of the airline issues, then the use of the FaceTime and the Zoom has helped people connect and share the Christmas spirit. The time spent together may be shorter than before, but now the calls always end with plans to really get together this summer when things return to normal. So I think when things do get get back to normal, hopefully this summer, but maybe maybe it'll be September or October before that really happens, there'll be a lot of families planning vacations together and a lot of lost times to be made up for. And all this mean for our investments? Well, this week equity markets were mixed, probably because there were so many cross currents of problems and opportunities. In Europe, according to the Financial Times, the UK and the European Union secured an agreement over their future relations, calming the worst fears of a major uh, economic disruption in coming weeks as Britain unmoored from its uh, largest trading partner. So, Brexit finally came down to the wire, but it arrived Thursday. With the new trade deal between the United Kingdom and the European Union, uh, arguments over whether this is good or bad deal for either side matters less than the fact that the British voters have finally received what they voted for in 2016. So they've been working on this problem for four years now. Uh, Britain left the European Union, on January 31st of this year, and but since then has been in a transition period applying most of the European Union economic regulations while they worked out the details. The New Deal uh, governs trading rules when the transition ends at the end of this month, December 31st, and the agreement provides for zero tariffs, zero quota uh, trade in goods, and allows trade and some services to continue with minimal restrictions. Uh, the, big, the big open issue there is what happens to uh, London, uh, because in the European Union, with the Great Britain in there, London was their, basically their Wall Street. Um, what happens to that, uh, I guess, is continuing negotiations. The U.K. regains the ability to set its own labor environment and other regulations, although the European Union could reapply tariffs if Brussels believes trade with the U.K. becomes unfair. So they argued it out. They've been arguing it out for years now, and they finally got serious in this last month, and they finally reached an agreement. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the the actual agreement is going to start taking place uh, January 1st, which doesn't allow the companies a great deal of time to uh, revise their planning or take into account all the details that uh, were finally were finalized this week. And if we and staying with Europe for just a second, uh, the European Union two weeks ago uh, basically uh, released more money in terms of buying bonds and. Uh, taking care of the financial arrangements in in europe so europe should be good for a while in terms of their economy both the great britain as well as the european union and in the u.s on tuesday uh last week there was a surprise disagreement over the uh pandemic relief bill that could cause a shutdown in the federal government this coming monday unless it's resolved uh, last Tuesday, President Trump criticized the uh, uh, coronavirus relief uh, bill that was passed by Congress and called on lawmakers to uh, increase direct payments to Americans uh, to $2,000 each from $600. If you recall, the uh, the, uh, uh, the original bill, uh, the uh, CARES Act, in March. Uh, gave out checks for 1200 but then all through the negotiations for the last uh, uh, several months. And so after, uh, after the election there, even before the election, they were negotiating. Uh, they, they, recently, they resolved it to $600, but then uh, President Trump wants to make it to uh, $2,000. Quote uh, from uh, President Trump, I am asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low six hundred dollars to two thousand dollars, or four thousand dollars for a couple. Unquote. He said in a uh, tweeted uh, video. Uh, the standoff over stimulus uh, payments uh, comes after months of intense negotiations. This negotiation <laughs> has been going on since going on since June or July. Uh, so it, it got. Intense, very recently, but uh, for the longest time, it was just uh, people playing political games with each other in in Washington. So, uh, what this this uh, corona uh, with this uh, coronavirus bill, originally it was uh, focused at looking at nine hundred billion dollars in relief, and of that, uh, there was jobless aid. Uh, to the tune of, uh, where's the job? Let's say $120 billion. And, uh, workers would be eligible for $300 a week, uh, federal employment subsidy. That's in addition to their usual, uh, state unemployment benefits. And, uh, the, uh, that would get the original, uh, CARES Act ended at the end of this year. But this will carry it on this unemployment until March of next year. So, and the legislation would also extend to extend to 50 weeks the amount of time for which workers may claim benefits through both uh, state and federal programs. Most uh, state typically limited to 26 weeks of uh, uh, jobless benefits, and then we also have the uh, uh, child care. The child care uh, provides $10 billion in grants for child care providers and $250 million for the Head Start program. It also uh, includes uh, $325 billion for the uh, small business loans. Uh, That's the payroll protection plan where an employer takes out a loan from Small Business Administration, and as long as they use the money for uh, wages for their employees as well as utilities and rent then the loan is canceled uh, that's been a big boon to uh, uh, several of my small business uh, clients who utilized it they just take a look at their basically their monthly payroll and uh, uh, two or three times that and they can basically you know my my advice to them is Take your accountant down to the bank and and take uh, your loan application with your accountant there. So uh, th- there's a lot of things in this nine hundred billion dollars, but one of the things that uh, the president is looking for is an increase. And uh, uh, the uh, the issue here is that this bill for approximately nine hundred billion dollars was combined with another. Uh, 1.4 trillion dollars in an omnibus uh government spending bill and so this in, entire package is worth 2.3 trillion dollars and uh uh this whole this package i don't know who put it together and why but they want to pass it all in one big bill and uh uh president trump Uh, took a look at this bill and he also had criticism for the foreign aid spending in the uh, $1.4 trillion government appropriation. So there's basically two problems with this $2.3 trillion bill. One part is in, hey, uh, how come we're giving money to, uh, in foreign aid and things of this nature? That's in the omnibus bill. And at the same time, we're shortchanging the people, uh, the citizens who need the, the money, with uh, six hundred dollars rather than two thousand. If the president doesn't sign the bill by Monday night, the government, which is now acting under temporary funding, could begin a partial shutdown starting on Tuesday morning. The House may attempt to pass another stopgap uh, uh, funding measure on Monday, if Trump hasn't acted. So. Trump has uh, President Trump hasn't explicitly said he would veto the legislation uh, which uh, uh, Congress sent him on Thursday. Uh, there's approximately 5,000 pages, or maybe 6,000 pages of this uh, $2.3 trillion uh, bill that they wanted him to sign. So, if, uh, if President Trump vetoes the bill, then lawmakers will have to uh, reopen negotiations, uh, or basically, uh, uh, and basically gamble that they can uh, try to over, overcome this veto with a two-thirds majority in both houses, which is not going to be that easy. So I think uh, lawmakers will also need the uh, president to sign off on another temporary funding extension. In other words, the reason that we're in the quandary we're in right now is because, uh, the government has been running on these temporary uh, funding extensions, uh, to, until they get this, uh, uh, the, uh, overall appropriations bill, uh, signed. So, um, what you've got now is, uh, the president As Friday. President Trump came out and, uh, uh, reinforced his desire that uh, uh, he wants that uh, $2,000 checks rather than the $600 one. Uh, quote from one of his uh, tweets uh, uh, made many calls and had meetings at Trump International in Palm Beach, Florida. Why would politicians not want to give people $2,000 rather than only 600 It wasn't their fault. It was China. Uh, that's according to the president and his uh, 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 tweeting, and uh, give the people their money. It, it's, uh, he then went on and said, president went on and said, it's called the COVID relief bill, but it, there's almost nothing to do with COVID. Well, there's $900 billion associated with the bill, but this is a $2.3 trillion bill that he is supposed to be signing off on. My best guess is that, uh, yes, we'll get, the, uh, uh, we'll get the COVID relief funds now. I've been talking about this thing since uh, basically July, and uh, apparently it's going to happen soon because I don't see any other, uh, other way out of, uh, of this uh, uh, thing other than to meet the president's requirements because basically you've got uh, three organizations, uh, three groups that have to sign off on the bill. One's the uh, House of Representatives, one's the Senate, and one's the President. And uh, uh, So the lawmakers will be hustling this weekend, I think. And while we are still, uh, let's turn our attention to the virus, and while we're still losing the war with the virus, uh, which peaked out after the Thanksgiving uh, gatherings, we'll probably, and it probably will peak out after the Christmas gatherings, uh, right now uh, we're basically seeing uh, new cases at the the average of about 192,000 new cases per day and approximately 2,500 deaths per day. But the the vaccines from uh, Pfizer and Biotech, uh, that's one group, as well as the Moderna, Uh, they uh, are moving forward with their emergency authorization and uh, basically 6.4 million doses of the Pfizer biotech uh, vaccines, enough to inoculate approximately 1% of the population has gone out in an equal, uh, and that goes to the healthcare workers working directly with the COVID patients and also the nursing home residents and twelve and a half million doses of the Moderna vaccine—they uh, they were shipped last week—and federal officials say that they expect to have enough vaccines to immunize about a hundred million people in the United States by the end of February. And apparently, uh, the the second group, first group is going to be the uh, the healthcare workers working directly with the uh, the people and uh, also the uh, the uh, uh, residents of the nursing home, probably, and the staff of the nursing home. The second group will, will also be the uh, uh, people over 75 and also uh, the uh, essential workers. And uh, I don't know who the third group is, but uh, it, it, they've got a figuring out a, a process by which they will allocate the, uh, uh, the vaccines. You know, the, the, all of this stuff with the virus, uh, the, the whole fatigue of coping with the virus, as well as the government imposed restrictions are combining to slow down the economy. And, uh, for example, uh, existing home sales, uh, that decreased, uh, two and a half percent in November, uh, um but they're still up twenty six percent from a year ago. And part of the problem is uh showing homes for sale in the midst of a pandemic as well as uh uh the shortage of homes for sale because sellers are reluctant to uh open their homes to strangers uh uh during this pandemic period. So what you what you're seeing is that when you look at different parts of the economy, uh home construction and Home sales are doing very, very well, uh, and I'll get into those in a minute. Uh, the uh, the manufacturing is improving. Uh, the, basically, the uh, spending, uh, consumer spending is slowing down, and one of the reasons that consumer spending has kept up so far has been uh, uh, that original CARES uh, uh, fiscal stimulus in, uh, March. And that basically carried us over into, uh, the fall. And, uh, basically this new second stimulus, this new $900 billion stimulus basically should cover, should carry us over into, uh, the, uh, let's say March of uh, next year. Hopefully at that particular point in time, we'll uh, be winning the war. Uh, we'll start to win the war uh, against this virus. Uh, right now, we're, we're sitting here with the virus, uh, but and we do have these uh, vaccines that'll it'll help win the war. But it's not we won't be there until uh, the summertime, and uh, hopefully, these uh, uh, this next fiscal stimulus package will get us to the point where we're beginning to really see the light sometime in March or April of next year. Now, if we take a look at existing home sales uh, for November, uh, existing home sales decreased about uh, 2.5% in November, but uh, uh, that snapped a five-month streak of month-over-month gains, and uh, basically all uh, uh, major regions, uh, by major regions I mean the northwest, the south, the midwest, and the west, they took a step back or held steady in terms of their respective month-over-month month, uh, status. So uh, according to uh, uh, total existing uh, home sales includes single-family homes, townhouses, condominiums, and co-ops. That decreased 2.5% uh, in November from October. And uh, however, sales in total rose year-over-year Uh, from last November, they were up 25.8% from a year ago. According to the National Association of Realtors' chief economist, Lawrence Young said that, quote, home sales in November took a marginal step back, but sales for all of 2020 are already on pace to surpass last year's levels. And given the COVID-19 pandemic, it's amazing that the housing sector is performing, uh, uh, outperforming expectations. Uh, Young continued and noted that uh, job recovery has stalled in the past few months and fast-moving, fast-rising uh, coronavirus cases along with stricter lockdowns would weakened consumer confidence. Uh, quote, uh, circumstances are far from being back to the pre-pandemic normal. However, the latest stimulus package and with the vaccine the distributions underway and a very strong demand for uh, home ownership still prevails, and uh, what you're going to see is robust growth in, is forthcoming in 2021, unquote. Uh, the, the, if you look at the whole thing, the demand is also driving the price increases. If you take a look at the national picture, then the median existing home price were all housing types in November was $310,800, and that's uh, up 14.6% from November 2019. At that point, it was $271,000. So we're seeing price increases in every region, and I think a couple weeks ago, uh, I quoted the uh, Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and that looks at uh, 20 uh, metropolitan areas in the United States, and, the, and Cleveland is one of them, and that showed that prices in the metropolitan Cleveland area have gone up approximately 10% over the last 12 months. So it's, it's a uh, seller's market uh, out there in terms of homes, and the, uh, uh, with all the increase in demand, the number of existing homes is basically decreasing. Uh, Total housing inventory at the end of November totaled uh, 1.28 million units, and that was down 10% from October and down 22% from a year ago. So uh, the unsold inventory stands at an all-time low of 2.3 months' supply at the current sales pace, and that's down from 3.7 months that was recorded a year ago and uh, the houses are basically moving these are existing homes properties typically remain on the market for 21 days in november and uh, that's down from 38 days in november a year ago and uh, 73 percent of the homes that were sold in november uh, were on the market for less than a month so Lawrence Young also noted that with the low mortgage rates and the remote work uh, uh, the flexibility, quote the positive momentum that home buyers are seeing will carry well into the new year. And uh, one of the big things that's uh, propelling this whole thing with regard to the uh, uh, home sales is the uh, uh, the low rates. If you take a look at Fannie. And, uh, Freddie Mac their average thirty year conventional mortgage rate has decreased uh, to two point seven seven percent in uh in uh, november when i remember when we bought our house in uh uh what was it two thousand and in the nineteen seventy two uh, the interest rates were seven and a half percent now they're down to uh, percent uh young continued on in in the sense that uh quote housing affordability which has greatly benefited from falling mortgage rates are now being challenged due to record high home prices and that could place a strain on the potential consumers particularly first-time home buyers so basically what you're seeing there is that uh uh, the uh, home buyers market is as uh, the uh, sellers market. There's ne- there's very little inventory, and that's one of the reasons why new home construction is uh, is on fire. Basically, in terms of uh, what they are building and what they're selling in terms of new homes. So, and it's a matter of people uh, uh, can work at home now. They've got their children at home from school. Even the college kids are are in the basement somewhere. Everybody's in the house and people are looking at um, getting out of the city, getting into the suburbs and uh, having a bigger place to uh, have uh, the home office and the work away from home and the the children's uh, 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 studies and things of this nature. So uh we'll get that we'll get we'll take a look at the the new residential sales in just a second but this is jim McAleese. uh you're listening to get rich slow uh the toll free call us is 1-888-281-1110 and you know when we're talking about uh the big picture here in terms of what's happening the economy uh we talk about these things because uh, they affect our financial plan. Uh one of the most important things that we should be able to do as a, as, as consumers and citizens is to lay out a plan uh, that we can follow uh, from now until uh, until basically uh, we're well into retirement in other words a plan that takes into account your goals. You know, when you're young, the goals are a car and an apartment. Uh, Then it comes down to uh, uh, getting serious uh, and uh, getting married and starting a family. And then you're getting into the uh, uh, standard of living issues and home buying issues. And uh, sooner or later, you're facing the uh, uh, kids going off to school and where's the money for that? And all these, and then uh, throughout this whole thing, you're looking at your retirement uh, goal, too. And the idea of the retirement goal is that you're going to be at 65, uh, maybe 70 uh, in the future, you're going to be looking at uh, retiring. And uh, basically, uh, when you collect your last paycheck, at let's say at 65, you might have 30 years of uh of unemployment ahead of you. <laughs> Only you're going to be getting Social Security plus whatever you saved up or whatever you've earned in the way of a, uh, a pension plan. So the idea here is to say, okay, we're living in this environment uh, where things affect my investment, but my plan really boils down to I've got a plan to develop a plan it encompasses the buying of a house, the raising of the children and the family, the sending the children to school, and also the retirement. And that all costs money, but you have that money from your, uh, your paycheck, and you have to allot that money to be able to meet those goals in the future. And in order to meet those goals, you put away a certain amount of money each, each uh, uh, paycheck, and uh that's the first bill you pay, and uh you watch it grow and you just uh uh have to make the right decisions in terms of where you put the money and how it grows and uh, if it's not growing the way that is necessary to fulfill your goals in the future, well you have to revise it. you have to put more money into the pot more uh you have to do something with regard to the your uh investments and in what you're doing so uh The whole thing about the financial planning is to take a look at what your goals are and establish a plan to be able to meet those goals in the future, utilizing the resources that you have and you will have as time goes on as you get older. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
1: Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tana McAleese cornerstone consultants inc has helped thousands of clients get more for their money whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes buying your next home planning for retirement finding that right mutual fund or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance cornerstone consultants inc will guide you to wise financial choices So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow.
0: Welcome back to Show. This, uh, this is your host this morning, Jim Magaly. Sorry, I jumped again. The <laughs> okay. Hey. Uh, do we have uh do we have a call, Josh? Let's go to let's go to the phone. Hello, this is
1: Jim McAuley. Hello, uh, Hi, hello
0: Jim. Hi, yeah. um, thank you for taking my call anyway. But um my father in law, he left his IRA to his grandson. Well, our son is married now, and we're thinking about making our granddaughter the beneficiary of one of our IRAs. Can we still do this? Uh, Yes, you can. You can, but uh, the rules have changed. You know, for for heirs that have inherited their uh, IRA before January 1st of this year, uh, they're still allowed to use the stretch IRA. And by the stretch IRA, I mean, uh, uh, if you, uh, inherited an IRA, uh, you could, uh, uh keep uh, deferring the taxes until your, uh, life, is, through your life expectancy. Example would be that, for instance, in the case of your son, uh, he could, uh, uh, uh he could, uh, extend that. That uh, the inherited IRA. Let's say he was, how old's your boy? Uh, 30. Okay. So he can extend it from 30 to uh, 86. In other words, he basically got 56 years there where he can uh, keep this thing tax-deferred, although he has to take out required minimum distributions um, on a different schedule than you and I do. But it's uh, he still has to take the money out you can keep it uh, for another fifty some years, uh, but the that that law changed for uh, IRAs inherited IRAs after the start of this year. Now, uh, the uh, under the rules of this new Secure Act, which was passed, then this requires that the entire balance of the uh, uh, the uh, inherited IRA be distributed within ten years. Of their passing, so in your in your son's case, um, he should basically set up a, a make make sure that his children are uh, will inherit his ir his inherited IRA, uh, but in in that case, his children will have to get rid of that in in uh, that ten year period. Now, concerning your granddaughter. Uh, the uh, case with the granddaughter is that you can you're, you can give your granddaughter uh, make the granddaughter the beneficiary of your IRA at which point she'll get a beneficiary IRA, uh, but she'll have to uh, uh, essentially uh, spend that uh, IRA down within a ten year period. It's called the ten-year rule, and it, it goes from the uh, uh, December. It has to be the it has until December thirty-first of the tenth year after their eighteenth birthday to withdraw all the funds from their inherited IRAs. So, it won't give you the, the benefit. Giving your your grandchildren the the money in as an inherited IRA won't have the same benefit as your boys. Your sons uh, inherited IRA he got before uh, the start of this year. Uh, your, your, you give it to your grandchild, uh, they've got to clear it out within the ten years. The nice part about it is that they don't have uh, they're not restricted by the fifty nine and a half rule you know that penalty and they can also they're not required to take required minimum distributions they can uh, uh they can sit on it until uh it becomes uh, uh you know they' don't have to take any money out but they got to get it out there for the ten year period uh the the uh the idea there was that uh, people using the in the old times the people were using the uh the uh, inherited i r a as a kind of a state planning tool where uh, the grandfather would give it, uh, the IRA, to their grandchildren, and their grandchildren might be fairly young and they could stretch it out for maybe 60 years. In fact, uh, uh, basically, I've got a, a, a uh, one of my clients He's basically a five year old that's basically a millionaire. <laughs> you know, her, her grandfather uh put her down as a beneficiary and then he passed on so now at 2 years old she had a she had a uh, an IRA that was worth a million dollars and, and uh, uh you know she she can keep that thing tax deferred until she's basically 86 years old so uh they cut that they they, they what they did was they wanted to say they wanted to get some more money into the, the federal government so they uh, they cut out that particular picture. So, uh, yes, you can give it to your, uh, grandchildren, uh, uh, but it's, it's, uh, restricted to that 10 year rule there. Okay. Talk to your, okay. talk to your uh, tax advisor and lawyer too. Okay. Okay. Thanks for okay. calling. You have a good right. holiday. Bye. You have a good, Bye. you have a good holiday too. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get It Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, You give us a call over our toll free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Let's talk more about the the real estate market. Uh, We talked about the existing homes. Now we're talking about the new uh, residential uh, sales. And basically, hey, the housing market has been hot because... uh, um you know people have this flexibility nowadays in terms of uh, uh working from home you know this started a few years ago but is now really caught on with regard to this COVID plus you've got the students attending classes on the internet so the homes are getting kind of uh crowded and um in the uh Uh, The virus is basically forcing the people out of the cities, too. So what you're ending up with is the big demand in the suburbs and beyond. Plus, you've got the low interest rates. And if you take a look at the new home construction, it's basically on fire. Uh, For instance, if you take a look at single-family home construction, in November, home construction, when the starts, uh, we're up 27%. Uh, from a year earlier. And uh, uh, then if you take a look at, hey, what's happened year to date in uh, 2019 or 2020 versus 2019, you suddenly find out that the number of homes under construction are ten over 10% higher. Uh, the number of homes, and, and even taking into account the, the, uh, the shutdown. In uh, March or April, home construction has just basically filled in that hole and has kept on moving so uh, the demand for housing and the scarcity are both uh, uh, causing home prices that are i think are probably going to be unsustainable in November uh the sale of uh, single family homes new new homes uh, uh, decreased uh, not not the price. The, the sales, the number of sales, decreased eleven percent from uh, October, uh, below the October pace. But that October pace was tremendous, and now November's is still twenty one percent higher than it was in November a year ago. And uh, the uh, there are several reasons for the slower pace. One is the virus has been uh, spreading faster as winter approaches, and people are spending more time indoors, and the home prices are increasing something like 10 to 15% per year. And uh, if you take a look at the uh, year-to-date uh, values, uh, you know, the number of homes that were, new homes that were uh, sold in 2019 were 633,000 homes and the year to date in 2020 are 755,000 homes. In addition, home prices continue to increase and the single family median home price in November was 355, 335,000. So, uh, uh, what you're seeing is that, uh, uh, home prices are going up. Uh, if you take a look at other aspects of the, the economy, what you 're seeing is that uh, um, people are feeling the uh, impact of this uh, coronavirus and they're feeling the impact of the uh, unemployment too uh, if you take a look at the uh, uh, the increase in the coronavirus cases since the start of October and the and because of the uh, increase in the uh, um, Government mandated uh, restrictions and shutdown, That's basically putting a break on the recovery. And according to the Wall, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce, in their Personal Income in and Outlays for November report, it shows that household incomes took a hit as the as the effect of the federal aid programs put in place earlier this year faded. Uh, household incomes, measuring what America has received in wages, investment returns and in, in government aid fell 1.1%, and that was the third drop in four months. Uh, for November, that was a drop of $221 billion. In the aggregate, uh, households are decently positioned to spend. Uh, household income remains up 2% from February, the month before the pandemic crashed. Uh, and their, the American savings are at historically high levels. Americans are saving approximately 12%, uh, 12.9% of their after-tax t- after income, and yet millions remain unemployed, and the new wave of the virus infections has prompted states and cities to order businesses to close or scale back operations. So what you're basically you're seeing is that Household spending dropped for the first time in November in seven months, and layoffs remain elevated as the surge in virus cases weighed on economic recovery. After going on a shopping spree this summer, uh, consumers closed their wallets last month and um, cut spending by four-tenths of one percent. That's approximately $63 billion, billion for the nation. And, uh, they cut spending on services such as, uh, restaurants and theaters. And they also cut it on, uh, uh, big ticket items such as, uh, cars and, uh, 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 appliances. So, uh, what they reported in that, uh, Department of Commerce report was that personal incomes decreased, uh, uh two hundred and twenty one uh billion dollars, uh the disposable personal uh income uh decreased two hundred and eighteen point eight billion dollars and uh uh what we're seeing here is that uh the the uh amount of money that is that consumers are spending is going down, and that's going to affect uh, the economy in terms of uh, services as well as uh, uh, big-ticket items, cars, and uh, refrigerators and things of this nature. This is Jim McElhinney. Uh You're listening to Get Rich Flow this morning. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Um, they told me Burump A newborn king to see Parumpum Pum. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. You know, we were talking before about the uh, the uh, impact of the COVID on the economy. Uh, it is slowing down the economy, and when we when we look at different aspects of the economy, we see we see that. Uh, uh, slowdown effect. We, and uh, we take a look at the uh, factory sector. It continues to improve and recover uh, from that pandemic. But uh, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce report and their monthly advanced report on durable goods, manufacturers, shipments, inventories, and orders for November, that shows that uh, manufacturing rose nine cents of one percent uh, compared to a month earlier. Uh, new orders for durable goods, and those are things that are designed to last three years, like appliances, cars, things of this nature. Uh, that has risen consistently since April, and uh, but it is slowly going down. For instance, if we take a look at uh, the last three months, we see that factory <coughs> factory output in september was up 2.1 percent in october was up 1.8 percent and now in november it's uh nine tenths of one percent so uh sooner or later unless uh uh we get this uh, fiscal stimulus and, and unless we overcome this uh virus next uh, summer uh, we're going to get down to zero here uh New orders increased uh, 9 cents of a percent or $2.2 billion to $244.2 billion in uh, November and uh, like I said, that's after increasing 1.8% in October and 2.1% in September. The, the strongest part of the uh, uh, rebound came in May, June, and July and uh uh the uh, durable goods sector had been helped by the virus because uh, household had bes- households had responded to the pandemic by cutting spending on services such as travel and uh, 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 entertainment and uh, sports and things of this nature. And they had increased their purchases of goods such as uh, cars and uh, uh, computers. Uh, If you take a look at the uh, following sections uh, of the economy, the most improved are basically machinery. Machinery was up uh, nine-tenths of one percent. Computers and electronics was up four-tenths of a percent. This is uh, uh, month-over-month. Electronic uh, equipment was up eight-tenths of a percent, and transportation equipment was up... uh, 1.9% in November. And generally, when we look at gains in uh, durable goods manufacturing, uh, those gains generally appear in the transportation equipment area. And that includes uh, automotive production, uh, aircraft, uh, uh, both uh, civilian as well as uh, military aircraft and ships. And uh, what we see in the auto production, uh, Following the March and April shutdown, uh, order production jumped 22% in uh, July, followed by an increase of uh, 1.1% in August and decreased 2.5% in September, and it was up uh, 2.4% in November. So uh, the orders were, uh, in terms of civilian aircraft, the orders for uh, November were down 2.8%, in civilian aircraft is a special case. Civilian aircraft used to be one of the big uh, producers in the United States, but then Boeing ran into problems with their 737 MAX, and uh, that basically caused a big blow to uh, Boeing. They still had their 787, uh, but one of their major... Uh, uh, one of their major product lines has basically shut down for two years and that's after there's two crashes with the 737 MAX but the 737 MAX has been uh, certified for flight again and it'll probably be you'll see it flying I don't know whether there'll be too many passengers in it until it establishes a, a good uh, safety record again but uh uh, what you saw was that the uh, orders were down 2.8 percent in November, and the military aircraft, uh, the military aircraft, uh, 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 was up. Uh, where is it here? Up 15.7 percent. So what you're seeing is that uh, uh, you know the overall transportation sector between the automobiles as well as the aircraft orders that was up uh, 1.5 billion dollars in November which is a major part of the 2.2 billion dollar increase in in the uh, durable goods uh, we're still uh, behind where we were in uh, uh, a year ago in other words if you basically take a look at uh, uh, comparing a year ago to today, in terms of new orders, uh, uh, with steel is down seven uh, percent. Fabricated metal products are down four point four percent. Machinery is down three and a half percent. Computers are up four percent. Electronic equip- uh, electrical equipment is down two percent. Things of this nature. So we're, we're getting back to where we manufacturing is getting back to where it was. Uh, before the pandemic, but uh, uh, it's taking time to do it. Big race right now, we're probably going to end the year and uh, manufacturing will, will probably be uh, maybe 3% less than it was in at the, at the, uh, February before this coronavirus hit. One of the big things that you see in this uh, coronavirus thing is that the u s economy seems to be broken into two parts one part is the part that is really exposed to the virus that's the restaurants and the entertainment and the sports events and all the rest of it and uh, that part won't come back until this coronavirus is is uh, uh over, which is probably the next uh, uh summer. But the rest of the economy is chugging along and uh um uh, recovering nicely. It's recovering, in, in fact, after the shutdown in March and April, the rest of the economy is recovering faster, than the economists expected it to recover, and it's surprising. But we still have real problems with regard to the unemployment. And if you take a look at the uh, March and April, 22 million people lost their jobs out of a workforce of 150 million So we lost 22 million, and we basically regained about half of them. But we still have a large number of people that are still unemployed. And even, even, uh, um, even as time goes on, uh, things change. And the uh, uh, basically what we're seeing is people are. Going back to work and then becoming unemployed again, and and, uh, it's causing quite a uh, quite a problem here. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Pero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Pero no y felicidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. Hello, this is uh Gibb Natalie. You looking to get rich clothes what i was talking about before was that uh, basically we have an unemployment problem that we've got to get uh, uh corrected and we'll probably in some cases won't get it corrected until the summer when this coronavirus is over right now we have uh 5 5,337,000 workers that are on continuing unemployment from week to week and uh Basically, that's gone down about 170 thousand over the last week, but it's going to take a while uh, to get this uh, five million down to where it really should be, and that's about one and a half million. So, we got a ways to go in this uh, 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 unemployment picture, and you know we've, we've seen this before with regard to what happens in unemployment, in the sense that. If you're looking at uh, uh, the way companies employ people, they really want to make sure that they can employ them for a long period of time so that what happens is that the the economy has to be booming before uh, there's a real increase in employment. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad.
1: You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440 647 Two seven nine three. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on fourteen twenty WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Inc., a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone's Consultant Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group Inc.